today I'll be reading from the New International Version. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. As we announced in the Bible class hour this morning, we're blessed to have Willie Franklin with us uh, this morning. He's living around Benton, Texas these days. Uh, But many of our uh, folks and, and many of you who are visiting today were teenagers back in the 70s and 80s, and Willie came, and uh, you don't need to hide your face. You're still here. <laughs> uh, it, I just loved Willie coming and the uh, youth rallies that he held, and they said, we're having a reunion, and we have a lot of those folks here today. I won't ask you to stand, but raise your hands real high if you were in that 70s and 80s group. I know we had, woo, I know we had a lot of folks uh, whose lives Willie touched and a lot that have sent regrets that they could not be here today, but uh, we're delighted to have all of you who, who are visiting. Uh, we're thankful for this group. In fact, the hymns that we've been singing this morning are hymns that have been suggested out of that group, uh, so I'm glad to do that for them. Uh, as we said this morning, Willie was a standout football player in college, All-American in track. He played football professionally with the Baltimore Colts and Los Angeles Rams. The most important thing is he gave all of that up to raise up to a higher level and become a minister of the gospel of Christ uh, and a missionary uh, for Christ all of the world. Uh, If you've read your bulletin, uh, you've seen in that bulletin many of the mission fields where he is taught. In a recent conversation with Willie, he talked about his passion that he has to reach and bring back to the fold those souls who have wandered away, and what a great mission that is, and how greatly God has blessed him in that mission. Willie, welcome back to Maribel. Good morning, church. Good to be with y'all. Appreciate you being here, and man, some of y'all don't look like you did in junior high. (laughs) I was looking at that tall drink of water. (laughs) How everyone has changed. And everybody kept telling me yesterday that I still look the same. And so I had to tell them I was ugly before my time. (laughs) I'm kind of growing into it. But it's always a thrill to come back and to see so many of you here in Tennessee and The crazy thing is, every time I go somewhere now in America, I see some of (laughs) y'all. Tennessee, Alabama, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Washington. Uh, It's amazing. Um, You all don't realize, you all became my world. When I left my world of pro sports, In that world, you had to perform to be accepted. This was the first time I had ever been accepted where I didn't have to perform. 
Jesus already had performed at the cross. So you young people were the first to love me unconditionally and to just accept me, uh, play on words, at face value. <laughs> Y'all wasn't scared of my mug, in other words. You all were the first to love me, just as Willie, not a football player. Y'all were the first to lie to me when you said good sermon. <laughs> and I, I was just starting out, and I was all over the place. <laughs> I'm more of an expository preacher now. In those younger days, I was trying to learn verses. So I was doing a lot of topical preaching, but I'm more of an expository teacher because I like to dig in in one area, be turning to John 4, and just kind of like to stay there and gain insight into Jesus. For the rest of my life, I will be preaching Jesus. The gospel. I learned so much from him just observing and gaining depth and insight. There's so many things that, you know, they say, how many are daily Bible readers? Man, I was, I was a daily Bible reader. I'd go through 20 chapters a day because that's how I learned to read. When I was 25 years old, I bought the whole Bible on cassette. Some of you don't know what a cassette is, young people. <laughs> but they, they had little cassettes. And they told me to buy the whole Bible on cassette, Genesis to Revelation. And I listened to 20 chapters a day in 1975, and that's how I learned to read. And I thought if I could memorize Matthew chapter 1, I could memorize anything. And so I started with Matthew 1. The book of generation, Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah. His brother, Judah, we got Prisons here, Tamar, Prisons got Hezron, Hezron, we got Ram, Ram, we got Aminadad, Aminadad, we got Nation, Nation, we got Solomon, Solomon, we got Boaz, Boaz, we got Jesse, Jesse, we got David the King. This, this was just exciting to follow along and learn about these names, who they were, and what God had done in their lives. I will always love young people because they take us at face value. Amen. And thank you all for loving me unconditionally. I don't know what it is about big and ugly, but young people are attracted to it. <laughs> and it's always moved me to want to be the best that I can be for these young men and young women. I never wanted to let them down. And Jesus taught me how not to do that by being consistent in private, what I call home, and in public, out in the world. Recently, uh, about eight, nine years ago, a young girl came to me. I don't answer my door during the day because I don't want to scare anybody. So there was a knock on the door. And my wife and kids answer the door during the day. But after dark, I'm the only person to answer the door at my house because I expect to put a chill in you if you knock on my door after dark. 
And I could hear my wife talking to a little girl in our neighborhood. Her name was Jessica. And she said, Miss Franklin, can your husband come out to play? <laughs> I get that often. My wife said, honey, it's for you. I said, yes, Jesse, what's up? She said, Uncle Chocolate, I have outrun, she was eight years old. She said, I have outrun all the third grade boys, all the fourth grade boys, all the fifth grade boys, and all the sixth grade boys. I'm the fastest on the block. And I said, well, that's why I'm your Uncle Chocolate, because in this family, we feel the need for speed. She put her hand on her hip and she said, I think I can outrun you. <laughs> and all the other little boys are out there like, come on, Uncle Chocolate, come and get yours. <laughs> like, I've been an All-American athlete in three different sports, played professional football, and now at 65, I got to prove I can outrun an eight-year-old. <laughs> we stopped by on the way from the airport Chick-fil-A yesterday, and this little eight-year-old boy staring at me, and I'm staring at him, and I knew, I saw the look in his eye, I said, you think you can outrun me? <laughs> he said, yeah, I can. <laughs> I said, I don't think so, baby. I said, this ain't no donkey, this is still a thoroughbred. <laughs> I, I said, I'll challenge you for that Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> I love young folks. They bring out the vitality, energy, the youth in us all. What a joy it is to see so many of you. But I know these times are rare. For some of us, we will never meet in a fellowship like this ever again. This is reality. Some of you will pass away. Sorry. Some of us will pass away. Some will move away. Some will fall away. That's the reality of our world. That's one of the reasons I like to preach for four hours. Because <laughs> I didn't even get an amen. Thanks a lot. Because this, this fellowship is unique. Some of you I'll never see on this side again. That's reality. So we drink deeply of these times that we sing and that we pray and that we remember the Lord's body and his blood and that we fellowship. I'm never in a hurry to leave this fellowship because I realize the preciousness of it. Some of the young folks that used to come back in those days, they're out there, but they're no longer faithful. I was getting on an airplane, and I'm going to mess with people 35,000 feet up, amen? You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and so I'm always looking for opportunity. Back in the day, I noticed an attache case sitting by itself. 
And so my wife says that I could rob a bank with my face. So I went over and sat by the attache case. And this woman come flying out of nowhere and grabbed that attache case and she held it like it had a million dollars in it. I leaned over and I said, sister, you in trouble. She looked at me, she said, excuse me? I said, when we go up to get our seat assignments, they're gonna say, ma'am, has your luggage been in your possession the entire time? And you're gonna have to lie. Because <laughs> it hasn't been, I saw it. And I will tell them you lying. <laughs> well, she didn't know me, so she started trying to ignore me. <laughs> and they finally came on and they said, we're not open for seating, you can come and get your seat assignments. And she went up and I was right behind her. They said, ma'am, has your luggage been in your possession the entire time? I leaned over her shoulder. <laughs> she never answered. They gave her a seat. I never asked for a seat. I let God seat me. I get on the plane. Guess who's sitting next to me? <laughs> she said, what do you do for a living? I said, I eat. If you stop eating, you'll stop living. She said, no, no, like, how do you make money? I said, the same way you do. God blesses me. Hadn't he blessed you? She said, it's so hard to talk to you. I said, <laughs> I said say what you mean. <laughs> I said, ma'am, I'm a minister. She said, well, what do you preach? I said, Jesus. She said, yeah, give me a topic. I said, that dating is sin. <laughs> she said, I bet you have a hard time getting that across. I said, oh, no, ma'am. I just asked a young man. How many guys you won't suck in your wife's face before you marry her? <laughs> they all agree, zero. I said, ma'am, is your husband picking you up? She said, yes. We're flying into Mobile, Alabama. I said, Mobile, not Mobile. I said, your husband picking you up? She said, yes. I said, good, because I want to kiss that rascal. <laughs> she said, sir, she got real serious. She said, we flying into Mobile. You got to get breath in your jaw, in the mobile. I said, yes, ma'am, I understand our destination. She said, no, sir, my husband's white, and his daddy's white, and he don't kiss his daddy. I said, but he's a chocoholic. I know he is. <laughs> we get off that plane, and you're talking about OJ running through the airport. <laughs> I mean, she is getting it. <laughs> and, of course, I'm right behind her. She don't want me near her husband. That suitcase finally comes out. She grabs it and goes to take off. He kisses her. I said, excuse me, sir, did you just kiss her? Very seriously. Because they don't know if I'm an undercover narcotic agent or a cop. <laughs> and he stopped. I said, did you just kiss her? He said, uh, uh, yes, sir, I did. It, this is my wife. I said, good, because I want one of those. <laughs> he said, why not? <laughs> we hugged and kissed, and I looked at her, and I said, hmm. <laughs> if I was lost, I would want somebody working as hard as I do to get over my barriers. That's all I'm trying to do is get over people's barriers. These walls that we put up, 
We're made in God's image. We're not defined by our pigmentation. The world's not going to force me into a box. Whenever I go out in public, first thing I do is, you got that, didn't you? <laughs> I start blowing chocolate. All the dudes that I run into, and they're like, man, we live in a crazy world. Well, I'm crazy about Jesus, too. Crazy people are afraid of me because they see I'm crazier than they are. Well, this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to keep thirsting for Jesus. Do not think you, your thirst has been quenched. He said in Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Psalms 42 and verse 1, young people sing as a deer thirst after water. So my soul thirsts after thee, O God. David said, when shall I see my God? Our God wants us thirsting after him. We'll be in John 4 as we sing a little bit. There's not a friend, no like the lowly Jesus. Sing in church, no, not. Keep singing, no, not. Oh, well, none else can heal all our souls, dear. Jesus, sing in church, no, none. I believe in no, none. Well, you know, Jesus, he knows all about our. Yes, I'm telling you, he will guide till that day is done. Well, there's not a no like the lowly Jesus singing church. No, not keep singing. No, not one. What um fellowship, what um joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arm. What um blessedness, what Oh, peace is mine when I'm leaning on the everlasting. You know I'm leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jim. Well, I'm safe and secure from all I'm. You know I'm leaning. On Jim, church, I'm leaning on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We praise God, Jehovah, church. Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, hey. See the baby Jesus. A lion in a manger. Well, it was early one morning. 
Amen day. I'm in the temple talking with the elders. Oh, how they marvel at his wisdom. Amen. Down at the Jordan, John baptized him. For saving all sinners, amen, day, amen. See him healing and preaching, a talking and a teaching. Well, he was sowing and reaping, amen, day, amen. Sing it over, hey, glory, hallelujah, hey, we praise God, Jehovah Church, hey, amen, day, hey, hey, see him in the garden, praying to his father. In deepest sorrow, amen, amen. Sin before Pilate, standing on trial. He was making a good confession, amen, amen. See him on the cross. He died to save the lost. He paid a great, great cost. Amen. Amen. See him in the grave. He died for us to save. And he rose to live again, church. Amen. Amen. A little lower. A little bit lower. A little bit lower, church. Amen. Amen. A little bit louder. A little bit louder. A little bit louder. Amen. 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 And the church said, Amen to the life of Jesus. If you want more verses, I got about 40 more verses. If you'll stay around, (laughs) we can go through all four Gospels. (laughs) I like singing about Jesus. John chapter 4. I like studying Jesus because he knew what to say. He knew how to say it. 
And he knew when to say what he said. I haven't got that talent yet, but I'm sure working at it. Christ is just amazing. When he, meet, when he met people, he knew what was going on in their lives. Some of us who are older, we can tell when somebody's heart's been broken. A paramedic is taught in the war to help people that have been shot. How does he know to go to first? How does he know who to go to? The ones that are bleeding out. Some of us are old enough to tell when a young marriage is bleeding out. I don't ask people what's wrong. I just go and ask them if I can pray for them. Nobody ever says no. They know I've seen something. I see young men at school, in a grocery store. I ask them if I can pray for them. I stop people out in public and ask them if I can pray for them because I see something's going on. I was driving through the neighborhood one day and I'm kind of, I do that old Superman thing when I drive. I kind of glance left, right, and I see two women hugging each other outside in the front yard. Well, they ain't saying bye. It wasn't a goodbye hug. It was one of those hugs, somebody's hurting. I've seen those. So I wheeled my car around and drove up in this white neighborhood. Amen. I said, sisters, y'all look like you could use a prayer. One of them turned to the other and she said, I told you God would send somebody. God sent him. <laughs> they kneeled down next to the car and I had a prayer for them. They might have been total strangers to me, but they were not to God. I saw something. People don't say no to prayer. And so I'm always looking for that window, that opportunity for my neighbors to pray with them. Had one neighbor, he, he didn't believe in cutting his grass. In fact, he had no grass. He had two big giant acorn trees. And there must have been 20,000 acorns in his yard. It was an acorn grass lawn. There was no grass, just acorns. So after I'd been there about a year, I got my rake, and I went over and started raking. And of course, I was the only person in the neighborhood with this big, good a suntan. <laughs> so he come outside, and he said, what are you doing? I said, sir, I'm surrounded by white people, and I got some equity in my house. I want to be able to get my equity when I sell it, and we need to clean this yard up. <laughs> he said, you crazy. <laughs> he went and got a rake, and we raked acorns. They, got, they now have grass. <laughs> it was an opportunity. And then I had a prayer with it. Church opportunities are all around us. If we were but lift up our eyes and look on the fields, John 4, the white on the harvest. People's actions are crying out. They're not going to come to a church building, they're not going to talk to a preacher. Because see, in my neighborhood, I'm not a preacher. I cut their lawns. I rake their acorns. I play with their kids. I know y'all are still wanting to know if I outran little Jessica. I know y'all are still thinking about it. I'm not telling you. <laughs> Although she did become a track star in high school and won her track scholarship, she was fast. Here in John 4, here's someone thirsting. And a lot of times, some people don't even realize they're thirsting. 
Look at verse 1. When therefore the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, that he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, and he must needs pass through Samaria. As I said yesterday, Galilee was 120 miles north of Judea. Samaria was halfway, 60 miles. Jesus them had walked three days. It took them six days to walk 120 miles. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus sat thus by the well. And it was about what hour? The sixth hour, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. The writer wants us to know women did not go do their wash at the hottest part of the day. So she's going out to the well by herself. She is rejected by her own peers in that little city called Syker. Her own people did not accept her because her morals had dropped so low. We have people in our culture, and we use the term that have fallen out of grace. Hello? Y'all ever hear O.J. Simpson? I call him Poe J now because he's broke. But he was one of my chaperones when I was recruited to USC in 1968. He and Mike Gary. You ever hear Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman's father wants to father 30 children before he dies. I think he's up to 25. He's somewhere over in the Philippines. If you study the history of some of these young men, you can find out why they had such tragic lives. There was no model, no role model for them to teach them what kind of man they were supposed to be, what kind of woman they were supposed to be. And Jesus encounters these people. Here is such a person. She's been rejected by her peers, by her own folks. Jesus says, may I have a drink of water? Can I have a drink? She wanted to talk about racism. She said, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Jews have nothing to do with us. She wanted to talk about racism. Jesus said, if you had known the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, give me a drink, you would ask of him and he would give you living water. She was observant. She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? She was observant enough. She knew Jews wouldn't drink after Samaritans. Jews thought Samaritans were the filth of the earth. Herod had put them in there in between Galilee and Judea to be a thorn in the Jewish people's side because they were mixed race. But they had the Pentateuch. Pentateuch means five. They had the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. As we'll see in a moment. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. When sin is thou this living water? King James. Where are you going to get this living water? He said, whoever drinks of this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them shall never thirst but shall become in him or her a well of water springing up unto eternal life. 
She said, sir, give me this water. Who made her think she was a subject? Jesus. By the way, he spoke to her. Scholars suggest this was the first time this woman had spoke to somebody who talked to her like she had meaning, that she had purpose, she had value. Some suggest this was the first time she had a conversation with a man that didn't want intimacy from her. She said, give me this water. Somebody said, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Is that right? What happens if you scrub his tongue down with salt? He'll drink a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Who's the salt of the earth, church? We are. We should be causing people to thirst after our God when they see the way we serve him. They should want to know our God. That's what was happening with this woman. Jesus is being salt to her. He's creating this thirst. Give me this water. He said, call your husband. Oh, my. I've been through one divorce. When my mom and dad divorced, children go through that divorce, too. Six of my sisters turned to alcohol and drugs. One is dying as we speak. She's supposed to pass in the next two days. Alcohol has killed the liver. Some I hadn't seen in 40 years, cocaine addicts. Got a brother I hadn't seen in 50 years. He's a cocaine addict. They turned to alcohol and drugs. I turned to sports. Once the gospel was taught me, I went and tried to talk to them. Couldn't create a thirst in them. It's crazy how difficult it is to reach those you love the most. Hardest to reach. The hardest place for Jesus to preach was Nazareth. The one church Paul did not get invited to preach in was the church in Jerusalem. He said, I wish I could be a curse on behalf of my own people if it would bring him to Jesus, Romans 10. This woman's been hurting. But nobody in her town is taking the time to try to talk to her. They've allowed her morals, her low-level lifestyle, her choices, to influence them to not even have anything to do with her. For years I wondered why it was her first question to Jesus about racism. You're a Jew, why are you asking me for a drink? Until I realized the disciples had gone to town to buy food. Who did she pass? Twelve disciples. History says a Jewish person would close their eyes, walk into a tree, walk off a mountain, to keep from looking at a dirty, filthy, no-good Samaritan. So you can imagine their noses were scraping the bottom of a 747 when they went past this woman. Ooh, dirty, filthy, no-good Samaritan. So is it no wonder that was the first question to this next Jew? She had just passed 12. But he spoke differently. He talked to her like she had value. He said, call your husband. It took me some 15 years to catch this. She said, I have no husband. Do you know how heavy those words are? 
Those are heavy words. For me to go to school and tell people, I have no daddy. You know how heavy those words were then and still are? To have no daddy. For 13 years, those were the heaviest words in my vocabulary. Anybody come and watch you play sports? I have no father. My mother's gone drinking. Six of my eight sisters have come up pregnant. I live two blocks from school. Nobody ever saw me play one down of sports. But like her, many just went right by, not knowing how thirsty I was for finding my heavenly father. I didn't think he wanted me because his creation told me they didn't want me. Back then in the 60s, you come from a broken home, you wasn't going to be anything but a problem. Police would tell us, all you're going to do is die in the streets or go to jail. I thought that was my destiny. She dug deep. She didn't lie. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you said well. You've had how many? Five husbands. And the fellow you're with now is not your husband. Young folks shacking up with sin then is sin now. God made a woman for marriage. Not shacking up. He said, I'll make you help me. Her desires to be for her husband. Proverbs 20, a worthy man who can find. Many a man will proclaim his own righteousness. Proverbs 26, but a worthy man who can find. But Proverbs 31.10 says a worthy woman who can find. Her price is far beyond rubies. Well, nobody would have thought this was a ruby in John 4. But Jesus... He said, you said, well, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Look at verse 19. It didn't take her long. Sir, you got to be a prophet. You ain't even been to town, and you know all my business. Hello. You got to be a prophet. The people in town had even told you my business. You got to be somebody that know God. Church. We don't have to fear those people out there. We got to get across to them that we know God. My son's like, Daddy, why do you lock everything? I lock my car. I lock my door at the house. He's like, why do you lock everything? Are you afraid? I said, no. I lock everything because I don't want to hurt nobody. <laughs> I have the capacity to do that. I don't want you to just walk in my house because I know how to pop your eyeballs out. I know I'm not supposed to kill you, but, but I'm an old wrestler. <laughs> I'm trying to protect the bad person from walking in my house. First of all, this woman thirsted for understanding. How about you? Ephesians 5.17 says, 
don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How many of you understand and are seeking understanding for God's will? Remember Proverbs 3 and 5? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. See, in verse 6, she said, how is it you being a Jew? She just saw him as a Jew. The next verse, she said, sir. Look at verse 19. She said, prophet. Look at verse 28. Can this be the Christ? Is she not growing in her understanding of who this man is? He ain't like no other Jew that she's met. I'm not a black man. I'm a child of God. You're not a white church. You're children of God. I believe it's an abomination to refer to the bride of Christ by pigmentation. That's a white church. That's a black church. No, it's not. The Lord's church is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, 22 through 31. Church, if we're going to move the world, we can't lose our identity. Everybody asks me, why are you so happy? I said, because I ain't going to hell. I know where I'm bound. I didn't just get on this train. I know where it was going. I know its destination. Amen. That's why I can be happy. Now I know. And so I'm thirsting for understanding because I want to know how to speak to these folks out here that don't know him. I want to know how to encourage my brethren because we're in the same family. I'm not in competition with any preacher. As you can tell, I'm not some trained speaker. Amen. Don't know nothing about speaking. I don't expect you to leave here to believe in anything I've said. But I do expect you to leave here believing that I believe what I said. I'm passionate about my Lord. That's what I want you to see. Because he was passionate about me. I'm this woman. I'm this man at the well. I was hurting some 50 years ago. When Christ came to my well. And asked me if I was willing to get out of pro football. If I was willing to break up with the little girlfriend I had. If I was willing to go a total different direction. I believe we call that word repentance. <laughs> go in the opposite direction. If you'd have told me I was going to obey the gospel. And be buried with Christ in that water in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and I was going to quit fo pro football and give up my girlfriend, I was going to tell you you were smoking something and it wasn't tobacco. <laughs> because I didn't think it was going to convict me that way. I didn't know. It's God that works on the heart. Hebrews 3 and 7, in the day that you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As in the days of provocation, when I took the uh, Hebrews out of Egypt in the wilderness, and taught them my covenant, which my covenant they break. And I was not pleased with them, God said. He tells me not to harden my heart. This is God's word from his heart. When I hear it, he expects a response. And so my coaches and my parents, they were going, look, son, 
Why don't you wait a few years when you get older, then quit football, you know, get an injury, a broken neck, a broken leg, you know, wait till you just have to quit. Is that why Jesus left heaven? Because he just waited until he just had to leave? That ain't what he did for me. The people I knew needed Jesus. They didn't need that money. I wasn't looking at what I was giving up. I was looking at what he gave up. Amen? That, that was valuable. She thirsted for understanding. She got past his pigmentation that he wasn't a Jew. She began to address him as sir or lord. Same term. And in verse 28, she said, can this be the Christ? In fact, the Samaritans are the first one to recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world. Look at verse 42. The people of the town told the woman, now we believe not because of your speaking, but we've seen and know of ourselves that this is the Savior of the world. The first race to recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world. Wow. The outcasts. Not the Jews, the Samaritans. Not only did she thirst for understanding, she thirsted for better living. Jesus said, call your husband. Why didn't she lie? That wasn't a happy life she was living, shacking up. Is that a young girl's dream? She can't wait to grow up and just shack up with somebody. That ain't the dream. It's Cinderella, Cinderella. I tell there's all this time, sad to say the least, both a little scared, neither one prepared. Beauty and the... Don't you ever marry a beast. <laughs> you want a man of God, girl. <laughs> One kiss does not turn a beast into a prince. <laughs> Don't believe Walt Disney. He lies. <laughs> Them Disney movies. They always paint us guys up as being monsters. Look at all your Disney movies. The guy is always just a low-down scoundrel, a Latin, a market thief. Satan's still trying to plant those seeds in our young people. Someone said, if you think the grass is greener, then don't forget the weeds are meaner. She thirsted for better living. Do you think this was her dream when she was a little girl? Going out to a well to do dishes and washing and clothes all by herself, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, the hottest part of the day, because the other women wouldn't accept her? This is not her dream. She wasn't living the dream, and Jesus knew it. He said, call your husband. She said, I have no husband. How painful those words must have been. Many scholars suggest she had been married five times and now she's past the flower of her age. She no longer has the long, beautiful, flowing, brown, dark, curly hair. She no longer has the uh, racetrack body, all the curves. And this guy that shows up 
He don't even want to give her his name. He just shacks up with her. She's at the bottom. Before you start desiring a standard of life, someone said, look at those who already possess what you desire and evaluate how happy they are. Pro football players ain't happy. Pro basketball players aren't happy. Baseball players, they ain't happy. You're going from home all, all the time. Many of these kids can't find their dads. And now the women's starting to become a part of this professionalism. And it's the kids who are suffering. And now we got trafficking. 85,000 children have come across the border and the government don't know where they are. We know where they are. And so we got a job that God has put in our hands. Into our hands the gospel is given. Into our hand is given the life. Haste let us carry God's precious message. God in the area. Back to the right. What a responsibility we have. I was one of those kids. Sin will abuse you. That's what made me hunt for Jesus. I was thirsting for better living. Paul said in Galatians 5, 19, the works of the flesh are clearly seen. Which are these? Fornication, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, faction, divisions, reveling and partying, and all such like as I warn you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not a happy life. And that's not the life God has called us to. And yet here she was drawing water at a well. And this was not her dream, and Jesus knew it. He said, call your husband. Verse 28 says she dropped the water pot and ran back to the town, calling to the people, saying, come see a man that told me all my sins that I ever committed. What a way to recruit people. <laughs> Come in here, this preacher. He'll preach on every sin you've ever committed. <laughs> well, here's what got him coming. Can it be the Christ? Even the Samaritans knew about the Christ, the Savior of the world. Isaiah 7, 14. Daniel 2, 44. Isaiah 53. Psalms 42. I didn't know Jesus was praying on the cross. Psalms 22, guess what the first verse says? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I didn't know Jesus was preaching scripture from the cross. You see, because these criminals on the cross with Jesus were Jews. Both had been immersed by John. How do I know that? Didn't one of them say, Lord, when you come in your kingdom? Who was preaching about a kingdom? A guy named John. Well, who told them that Jesus was going to be resurrected? Who told them Jesus was going to come back from heaven? This guy wasn't no dummy. He knew Psalms 22. Messianic scriptures were read in the synagogue every Sabbath. 
all the Messianic scriptures. The Jews knew the Messianic scriptures like we know jingle bells. That's why Jesus was teaching. He wanted us to learn a lesson. It wasn't too late for this guy to repent since he had already been immersed by John for the forgiveness of sins. Luke 3, 3, Mark 1, 7. What was this crime committed at? You mean if I committed a crime down here in Marvel? Did I say it right? Marvel? If I committed a crime and escaped back to Denton, when they catch me, what are they going to ship me at? Back to Maryville. So this guy's crime was committed in Jerusalem. So he's been crucified. Could you live in Jerusalem and not know who Jesus and John the Baptist were? Impossible. The thief is not an exception. And people have tried to make him an exception for years. I spent 35 years in this study. Written a book about it. He is not an exception. Yes, Jesus had power on earth to forgive sin. You read Mark chapter 2, they tore off the roof, let down the paralytic. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus had power to forgive sin. Which ones? Mm -mm. He ain't going to forgive your future ones. You ain't committed them yet. <laughs> your past sins. How long was it going to be before the paralytic sins again? Blink, blink. Blink, blink. So what's he going to do? Run to Jesus to ask Jesus to forgive him? Or to be immersed by John? be immersed by John because John came to prepare the way for Christ. Those who rejected John baptism rejected New Testament immersion as well. Luke 7 verse 30. But the Pharisees and Sadducees rejected for themselves God's purpose by refusing to be baptized by John. To reject John's immersion was to reject God. Luke 7 30. It's been an amazing study. I use it in evangelism. Every denominational person I've studied this study with, I've immersed them. Because they run there thinking that's an exception. And when we study it, they see that God don't make exception. He has no respect of persons. Acts 10, 34. She thirsted for better living. Because she sure wasn't living it then. Not only did she thirst for better living, she thirsted for better worship. Look at verse 23. John 4, verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such as the Father seek to worship him. Verse 24. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Who would have ever thought this woman was concerned about proskene, is the Greek word, worship. That's where we get the word prostrate. We prostrate our soul before the Lord when we worship. We bow our souls. Sometimes we need to bow our knee. Amen, church. Where are all the black people? <laughs> Come on, y'all. Don't be blinking me this morning. Blink, blink. We have two postures of prayer in America, standing and sitting. Whatever happened to knees? Let me tell you what happened to these. Sometimes these women are wearing stuff that's so tight, if they got down, they couldn't get up. Come on, church, amen. I'm catching my flight this evening so you don't have to worry about running me out of town. <laughs> Verse 
Sometimes we need to be on our knees. Then Philippians chapter 2, verse 11 say, Every knee shall bow. So when that song says, Will I stand before you, Jesus? Who in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I don't have to imagine. Philippians 2 says, Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. The world has to imagine. We don't guess. You want better worship? Sing these songs other places than just when you're here on Sunday and Wednesdays. I ain't seen a young person yet rolling down the road in their ride, their car, and they're like, Mama, Mama, my favorite song is on. Get my pitch pipe and my songbook out of the glove compartment. Not. <laughs> no young people start saying that. That song, come on. I'm bad, I'm bad. I ain't got no pitch pipe. Why do we need a screen and a book when we come together? Because somebody aren't singing these songs other places than just here. Our young people ain't going to stay faithful if they just sing at appointed times. If they just listen to God's word at appointed times. Our God is a spirit. We can worship him anytime, anywhere. What was Paul and Silas doing about midnight Acts 16, 25. I know they weren't good singers because the Bible says the prisoners will listen. They're singing out loud, but nobody complimented their singing. They weren't looking for one either. But they were praising God that they could suffer for him. About midnight. Better worship. So I started bringing a recorder to services, and I recorded all these songs. Standing on the promises of Christ, my King, through eternal ages, let his praises ring. And glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Yes, I'm standing on, I learned these songs. This is what I did through the week. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air, coming after you and me, joy and life to share. I don't need no I need no pitch pipe. Some glad morning when this life is over, Jesus gave his life for ransom, young on Calvary. Walking along at even, viewing the skies afar, bidding the darkness come to welcome each silver star. Blue skies and rainbows as a deer pants for the water. Church, our worship will get better when we sing these songs other places than just here. You make me stand in line at the airport, I'm start singing. You make me wait, I'm going to start singing. I'm going to learn me some songs. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. Man, you ought to see that line, giddy up. People start moving. They start pushing grocery carts because they turn around and look at me because the, they think I'm going to say, give me your watches. <laughs> I got that face. 
But Walmart ain't going to tell me to leave because Walmart wants my money. So I go to Walmart and I memorize songs. That's why I do my practicing. A couple of times, some grandmas almost run me over. They hit me with their cart when I stopped, like, oh, I'm in your way. They said, no, that was my dad's favorite song. Keep singing. We're following you. <laughs> they follow me around Walmart, even the cashiers. Uncle Chocolate. Yes, ma'am. My line. You got too many people in your line. Zip it, Uncle Chocolate. Get in my line and start praising God. Please keep candy in your prayers. Candy's been to services twice. She's a cashier at Walmart. She said, if this is what you sing like in Walmart, what must the rest of y'all sound like? If you want better worship, do it other places than just here. My folks used to do it in the cotton fields back in the 50s. To get through, there was no 15-minute smoke break, any kind of break. Jack, you had to pick <laughs> from can't to can't. You started picking when you can't see. You don't stop till you can't see. They call it from can't to can't. I heard them singing all these gospel songs out in the fields. They got you through. All those farmers out there. There wasn't no radios, young people. People sang these spiritual songs. And it got them through some of the heat of the day. Better worship starts when we do this more than just appointed times. Whether it's singing, whether it's giving, whether it's praying, whether it's God's word. It must become a lifestyle. As y'all know, diets don't work. Spiritual diets don't work either if you just do it on Sunday and Wednesdays. It's got to be a daily lifestyle. That's what moves the world. And so as we move forward, why COVID? People have asked me. Why 9-11? People have asked me. Why didn't God do something about the bombing? I'll tell you why. What we were doing in the past is not working. That's why these things have happened. We've got to wake up because what we were doing in the past is not working. We've got to change it and come together, black, white, Hispanic, and be the people of God. And we will cause other people to thirst for our God. They're not going to find that in the world. They will find that amongst God's people. On the airplane in the airport, people are like, oh, you must be in a choir. I said, no, ma'am, I'm in the kingdom. I know they don't know what that means, but it starts questions, and they begin to ask, and they don't even realize that we're already in a Bible study. Well, what church are you with? I didn't know there was more than one. Amen. Well, what do y'all teach? Just what Jesus said. See, my answers are such that you got to open up the book. If you want to know what I believe, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let you read. I've missed a few flights. Amen. <laughs> Some more will be coming. A few years back, I, my wife and I were coming back from Montana and our four children. And uh, we hadn't took a vacation in about six or seven years. I'm one of them bloodhound Christians. And she said, oh, by the way, this vehicle we've rented, it's got to be back in Nashville in 24 hours. And we were sitting in Billings, Montana. I said, I got it, sister. 
you and the kids go to sleep. I got my big old giant bag of sunflower seeds. You can't fall asleep if you're chewing and spitting. <laughs> I stopped off at Yellowstone, and I said, hey, I, I want to go to the bathroom they got here. She said, that's a bathroom on this thing we're driving. I said, I need the cold air. I walk in the men's bathroom, 2.30 in the morning. And there's a white guy in there, 2.30 in the morning. And they're dangerous people out at that hour. He finally looks over at me and he goes, I got chocolate, I got chocolate, I got chocolate. And he just starts jumping and screaming. I'm thinking, okay, I've had to know him since he was a tater tot. And he comes over and grabs me and he's hugging all over me. I got chocolate, so good to see you, so good to see you. And of course, like I said, you reunion people, I find y'all everywhere. In a bathroom in Yellowstone at 2.30 in the morning. And, and he gets me by the arm and he said, come on. And he drags me over to the women's bathroom. He's like, Crystal, Crystal, Crystal. He starts screaming this girl's name. And finally, this girl walks out. Oh, my. She's got attitude from toe to head. So, this Marco Chocolate, this Marco Chocolate, this guy I've been telling you about. She looks at me, he's like, so. So we talk, we visit. I go back to the car, the van. And of course, my wife knows after 40 years of marriage, she said, who was it? <laughs> so I tell her the story. I said, he's a member of the church, but he's out of duty. She said, how do you know? I said, street smarts. So we get the car back and everything goes great. Three months later, I go speak in Kenai, Alaska. I walk in the front door and there they are. I got chocolate, I got chocolate, I got chocolate. Like, what? Where are you people from? They said, when we ran into you in Montana, we were living in sin. And we knew God had sent you. So we came back home. She lives in Anchorage. She was immersed, and we just got married. And we wanted to say thank you for taking the time with us at 2.30 in the morning in the bathroom in Yellowstone. When you talk about better worship, church, people don't see you. They see Christ. Galatians 2.20. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Who would have ever thought this woman was concerned about proskene, worshiping God? Jesus. Disciples went to town and they brought lunch back to Jesus. The woman went to town and she brought the town back to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. She taught the disciples a lesson about passion. They didn't tell anybody who they were with. I get into Bible studies with waitresses and waiters every time I go into a restaurant because I'm going to interview them. Where are you from? Are you in school? How many siblings do you have? I'm going to gather information so I know where to start with them at. I'm trying to find out the bleeding that's going on. You don't go to the doctor and he says, scalpel, saw, <laughs> He'd be cutting sheets. <laughs> he says, where is the pain? Location. 
Then he says, on a scale of 1 to 10, tell me the depth of the pain. That's what I do when I interview people. I'm learning where the pain is and the depth of it as I gather information. And it never fails. I haven't talked to my mom for 20 years or my dad. I haven't spoken to my sister. I'm finding out what the bleeding is and how great it is. And I always say, can I have a prayer? No one ever says no to a prayer. Church, I'm not always the person that build a house. Sometimes I just put the doorknobs on. Sometimes I may just put a window on. Because I know that my brothers and sisters are scattered out there. And she will encounter another brother or sister if he or she is truly seeking. He sends all of us, not just me. Amen. It's not just the preacher. We are all the body of Christ. This morning, you are the man or the woman at the well. And you've been thirsting. And Jesus wants to feel that thirst. He said, whoever drinks of this water, you'll thirst again. He didn't come to give us the material wealth stuff. You'll, you'll just keep gathering that stuff. The biggest money maker in America, storage zones, where people go put their stuff and pay for somebody to keep it. But we have the greatest message in the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want as many people to know it as I can because someone took the time to tell me. And so my prayer is, my brothers and sisters, let us be a people that continues to hunger and thirst after his righteousness so we can be filled. It is our tradition to sing a song if you need prayers, if it's a Bible study, if it's learning about the gospel. If you have a need, let it be known while we stand, while we sing.